Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Danger Room, the X-Men Comics Commentary Podcast. My name's Adam. And my name is Jeremy. And we're here to discuss issue number one of Marvel and DC present the Uncanny X-Men and the new Teen Titans at a cover price of $2. This was uh, on sale August 8th of 1982. Holy crap, that's an expensive comic book. Seriously, this must be like a super deluxe edition or something like hardbound <laughs> magazine paper. Well, I'm here to tell you, I, in my life, have owned two copies of this exact issue, uh, neither of which I have anymore, and I don't know where they went because I don't sell, trade, or give away comic books. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I'm quite honestly blown away that that it's missing but yes throughout my life i've owned two copies and the only thing i recall uh about it being in any sort of prestige format was the cover was a little bit thicker which makes me think that maybe the paper might have been a little bit thicker as well but it certainly wasn't hardbound and it wasn't even like one of those uh do you remember excalibur when that first came out it was kind of that uh well really thick cover was, was, was that a marvel graphic novel yeah well no I don't know what they could refer to. It wasn't like God Loves Man Kills graphic novel, but it was a similar format. Uh, my a point... up or a step down? I would say a step, a step down, a big step down. Yeah. So this was not on that paper, but it was on a heavier stock paper all around. Hmm. Yeah. So now you know. So Mar you would say that Marvel graphic novel was a step up from Uncanny X-Men meet the new Teen Titans? Are we talking about like the... Like the God Loves Man Kills Marvel graphic novels? God Loves Man Kills is Marvel graphic novel number three, I think. Correct. Yes. The, those are a step up. Yep. And it retails for six bucks. Yeah. Well, there you get what you pay for. Holy moly. <laughs> Just wait till we get to that one, folks. We'll really have a riveting conversation about paper. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, on the cover of this, uh, well, I guess we should start off by saying that this isn't in canon, so none of what you hear matters. I don't know. I I could put it in canon. It works for sure, but I mean, there's definitely some things that, well, don't work. Like, spoilers, there's no Gotham City in Marvel Universe. Uh, I, and there's no Westchester County in DC Universe. That's not necessarily true, because Westchester County actually exists in reality. No, DC has made it very specific that all the places that are real in Marvel... Or do not exist in D.C. <laughs> Except for Manhattan. No, that's Metropolis. Oh, huh. Or Gotham City. Yeah, well, I, I'm going to dispute that when we get into this comic book. Well, I, I just made that up, so... Oh. <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say. On the cover of this, we've got, uh, we've got, well, I mean, it just, it gets right there on front, uh, on the front page. Uh, Dark Phoenix is on the cover. And she's doing some sort of devil voodoo with her hands she's she's all teeth and hair and phoenix bird in the foreground you've got uh, cyclops robin storm kid flash nightcrawler 
I'm ignoring the people whose name I don't know. <laughs> that is uh, Wonder Girl and Starfire. Yes, and then on the back you've got Colossus, Kitty, Wolverine, Cyborg, Bird Lady, and Green Guy. Um, let's see. Bird Lady, <laughs> oh, Bird Lady is Raven. Okay. And Green Guy is... Uh, Changeling. Changeling, yes. There we go. And also on the back is Dark... Is it Dark Side or Dark Seed? Uh, I'm going to go with Dark Side. I'm going to go with Dark Side as well. And It is spelled Dark Seed or Dark Sayed. <laughs> Let's go with the Dark Sayed. Sayed. I like that. Um, is he a, a, a notable DC villain? I believe so, yeah. Um, I, I, you know, my, 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 like, okay, DC and me, we don't really know each other that well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're... I can tell you I know Dark Said from, um, I don't know, a cartoon. It must have been the Super Friends or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I would imagine so. To me, he, he seems like he's a maybe a Superman villain. I think he's a DC universe villain. Okay. Well, I mean, but, but yeah, I mean, probably Superman. I don't know. I don't know what his first appearance is or anything like that. Sure. Sure. Uh, and then in the middle, this is a, like a gatefold or a, it's a, the cover is the front and the back of the comic book. So in the middle, basically on the spine is uh, professor Xavier sitting in a chair. Yes. Let, yeah. This chair, one heck of a chair. This chair has a very specific name, which, uh, eludes me right now, but we'll get to it. Yes. Should be on page one. Uh, maybe. Page three. So, uh, let's open this thing up. This was, um, written... Mobius chair. What's it? The Mobius chair. That's right, the Mobius chair. That must be a prominent DC thing as well. I have no idea. (laughs) Nor do I. And the front, or as we open up this thing, we see that it is scripted by Chris Claremont... Uh, penciled by Walter Simonson, pen, or finished by Terry Austin, lettered by Tom Orzachowski, colored by Glennis Ween, uh, edited by Louis Jones, and Jim Shooter was the editor-in-chief. Len Ween is the consulting editor. There are some thanks to some other team creators, but to me, this just seems like it's a Marvel joint. Well, these are all Marvel creators. Right. Um even the even the creators of the New Teen Titans were Marvel guys first. <laughs> Marv Wolfman and George Perez were thought. But I mean, by this time, I think they're working for for DC, right? In fact, uh, George Perez, uh, we talked about the whole Miss Marvel going, uh, the rape of Miss Marvel right? Um, around Avengers issue 200. And uh, George, that was what caused George Perez to leave uh, Marvel. Really? Uh, yeah, things were getting weird around the offices, and he was like, "I don't really like the direction these this, these stories are going in anymore." And uh, DC said, "Hey, you want to create uh, the new Teen Titans for us?" And he was like, "Okay." Oh, well, there you go. Um, but yeah, anyways, this this whole thing strikes me, and and the opening page here uh, says, uh, "And now a word or two from Kitty Pride." And there's a big rocky letter that says, "Marvel Comics is." power surprised that that's not magneto standing there but kitty says and we're cute too so it's like you open this thing up maybe you're a dc fan and you're like oh teen titans and you open this up and you're like who are all these names and why is marvel comics power what's interesting now that i'm reading through this stuff it says 
the Uncanny X-Men, Professor Charles Xavier, Scott Summers, Cyclops, Jean Grey, Phoenix, Dark Phoenix, Aurora, Storm, Peter Rasputin, Colossus, Logan, Wolverine, Kurt Wagner, Nightcrawler, Kitty Pride, Sprite, John Grey, Elaine Grey, Danger Room, Cerebro, Lalandra, Shi'ar, and Professor Xavier's School for Gifted Youngers, and the visual depictions thereof are trademarks of Marvel Comics Group. Meanwhile... The new Teen Titans, Raven, Trigon, Coriander, Starfire, Garfield, Logan, Changeling, Wally West, Kid Flash, Donna Troy, Wonder Girl, Victor Stone, Cyborg, Dick Grayson, Robin, Slade Wilson, Deathstroke the Terminator, Darkseid, or Saeed, Intergang, Apocalypse, The Wall, Metron, and the Mobius Chair, Promethean Giants, Dog Soldiers, New Genesis, Boom Tube, and parademons and the visual depictions thereof are the trademarks of DC. Yeah, that's in the small print, though. Who would have thought that Boom Tube was a DC thing? <laughs> well, I'm sure there's DC aficionados out there that are like, oh man, Boom Tube's in this issue. <laughs> and they are going to be sorely disappointed because I don't know. I did notice Boom, Doom, Boom Tube's appearance, though. Oh, you did because I didn't. It, yeah, because I was like, what the heck is a boom tube? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's open this thing up. Um, do you um, do you have any familiarity with the new Teen Titans or anything? No. I mean, just that Robin's there. See, I was a... Uh, I'm not a DC guy. I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate that. But for a brief time in the early 2000s, uh, I collected a DC comic, and it happened to be Teen Titans. Okay. And this was written by Peter David, and I forget who the artist was, but he was really good. Okay. Um, and and actually, the thing that kept me coming back was the just the really good art. And so I got familiar with these characters, and then they did the cartoon series, the Teen Titans, which features this core cast of Teen Titans, and that show's really good. Hmm. I highly recommend it if you've never seen it. Are you talking about the show that's on these days? No, that's oh. like a kid's show. Oh. Which, you know, is equally interesting. Right, but for different reasons. Okay. Um, no, the the new teen. They're the I don't know if they're the new Teen Titans or just the Teen Titans. But there was a show that came out again in the the mid two thousands, probably shortly after I was collecting the Teen Titans. And it's just a really it was just a like I don't know maybe it lasted five five seasons four seasons. And a lot of our fans are always like, oh, the X Men is the 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 cartoon is the show that brought me onto the X Men. And I would have to say the Teen Titans show is as good, if not better, than that animated X-Men show. Okay. I, I highly recommend it. Right. I'll have to check that out. Maybe that'll maybe that'll introduce me into the world of DC. I kind of doubt it, but well, give, give I mean, it a shot. It's self-contained, so you don't need to know anything <laughs> else. All right, let's open this thing up. Uh, the title, in fact, is called Apocalypse dot 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 now, but Apocalypse is spelled completely wrong. So apparently those people at DC don't know how to spell. Well, this is... I don't know. What's in, man, interesting about Apocalypse, or I guess Dark Saeed, is that he looks kind of like Apocalypse from the Marvel Universe. Yeah. Who hasn't been created yet. Kind of, I guess. I wonder if Chris Claremont stole Apocalypse from Apocalypse. I don't Was Chris Claremont the guy that came up with Apocalypse? I don't think he was. I think it was uh, one of the... Was it Louise Jones? I think it was Louise Jones when she was... Was she one of those two? There was, uh, gosh, my knowledge on this is poor, but whoever was writing X Factor uh, in those early days. Louis Simonson. I thought Chris Claremont wrote an issue or two, but maybe not. I don't think so. Okay. Maybe I'm just thinking of New Mutants. 
So, uh, I don't even know how to start because I don't know who all these characters are, but there's a guy named Metron and some Promethean giants and the chair, the Mobius chair. Yeah, so I'm thinking the Promethean giants are kind of like the, uh, what are they in the Marvel Universe? Oh, oh man, the Celestials. The Celestials. Okay. I don't know who Metron is. Like, I, I'm assuming that all of these people have anagrams in, in the other universe. Sure. I don't know what the chair is either. Maybe Metron is like the Watcher. Yeah, maybe. I don't know, but... Uh, or, or like uh, that robot man, the guy with the... Yeah. From, from Earth X. The guy that hangs out with the Watcher and asks a Machine lot of questions. Man? Machine Man? I think that's his name, yeah. So, basically what's going on here, uh, and feel free to add more depth if you want, Adam, but Dark Saeed, Saeed is with uh, Metron and the Mobius chair, and Dark Said has the ability to give Metron what he wants, which is the use of the Mobius chair in exchange for the Psycon wave. Well, they make a trade. Yeah. So, you got it. The... Uh... Matron gives Dark Said the Psycon wave, and uh, Dark Said gives Metron the Omega Phase helmet, right. which enables his Mobius chair to penetrate the wall. And the wall should be Pink Floyd's the wall. Well, the wall should literally be in quotes because the wall apparently is a thing. Right? It's not a wall; it's the wall. So carry on. And I think um, so. Matron takes off into the wall. Uh, Dark side says that his engineers just created this um, Omega phase helmet and they don't even know if it works. So good luck. And I think this is what sets all the events into motion as far as how DC and Marvel Universe coexist. Could be. That's my theory. Okay. So this is maybe the device that brings the two universes together? We'll say this up front. It's never explained. <laughs> Not really. So... Metron does go into the wall. Dark said says that uh, we're going to attain each other's heart's desires. So it, they're each getting something out of this. Uh, and for Dark said, it's dominion over the stars. Ha 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 uh, school for gifted certain youngsters who are in a certain room which is fixed in the danger room and this to me this next couple of pages which we'll go through a little bit but strikes me as like did you you did you ever watch um uh uh serenity the movie serenity but then the show what was the show called firefly firefly right you watch fire did you ever watch that i did okay so I, I watched both of them all right so everybody who hasn't watched that should stop this podcast and just watch all of those uh, and then come back and listen to this but there's not spoils spoilers here but what i will say is that as you watch firefly the series you get to grow and know the characters just as as you're reading the x-men comics you get to grow and know the characters there as well um but when it comes to the serenity movie they they they're introducing the concept to a whole new audience so it's like they have to reintroduce everybody but at the same time not alienate all the current watchers of the show so they come up with a kind of a clever way to reintroduce everybody uh and that's what i feel these next few pages do for the x-men okay um which is a good I, idea for you know a potential dc person who's like well what's this x-men all about yeah exactly i mean i'm and i and i i i feel like this 
this is a gateway for both DC and you know all these crossover comics are always just a kind of a gateway for people. Sure, of course. I do think this Chris Claremont guy does not write the X Men very well. <laughs> well, they're written a hair corny here, and I I don't I don't know if that's because he's like, well, crap, I've been writing this for you know however many issues, I don't have to do a reintroduction, but now I need to make sure that. You know, the DC audience understands that Wolverine is a loner and he's got attitude. And I don't know. I don't know. Because this this is one of the first occasions of uh, Wolverine constantly referring to the professor as Chuck and Charlie. I mean, he's done that in the past, but it's like done a lot here. Yeah. Well, yeah. He brings back some of his classics. Mm -hmm. Surprisingly, this issue does not contain a Fastball special. Spoilers. Well, it looks like it. So, I mean, Colossus does hurl Wolverine, but nobody says Fastball Special. This is to, this to me why, is... Why is, would they not say Fastball Special, though? I don't know, but this to me is a depiction of a Fastball Special. Doesn't Wolverine have his claws out for his Fastball Special, or do we just... We're not at that point yet. Maybe it's a Fastball... A Cannonball Special. <laughs> I have to say, I like Walt Simons as Wolverine. Like, I don't know if it's the colors of this issue, but, like, Wolverine really stood out to me yeah he is maybe it's his super pointy ears <laughs> so wolverine is hurling a uh, i mean colossus is hurling a wolverine who is in a cannonball pose just imagine him like splashing into the water here nightcrawler is diving out of the way in the background and they're fighting basically some lasers the professor is up there uh kind of guiding the action wolverine also says something interesting like uh I'm telling you guys, life was easier in the Flaming Army. To which you're kind of like, I think he's referring to. Yeah, which army? <laughs> was he in the Canadian Army? Because I thought he was like a special forces guy. The Canadian Secret Service Army? Yeah. Until you get it right, Wolverine, and for the umpteenth time, call me Professor. So, right there, we're like establishing that the Professor's kind of stuck up. Sure thing, Chuck. <laughs> And they're going to do the alley-oop ver- variation of this, which involves Nightcrawler teleporting directly in front of Wolverine, grabbing Wolverine's hands and flipping him around for some reason, not really sure why. And Wolverine goes flinging into one of the flame guns. We get some of that uh, explanation of characters, as you had mentioned, where Nightcrawler says, One of these days, mine thrown you push head, Professor, too far! Wolverine responds, I've been a rebel all my life, pal. I like it too much to change. Yeah. Respect Charlie, otherwise I wouldn't be here. But that doesn't mean I have to treat him totally seriously. So, by the way, audience, Wolverine's a rebel. You might like this character. He's got edge and attitude. It's true. Meanwhile, a bunch of missiles head towards Colossus, uh, and wolverine what does he do he extends these his razor keen adamantium claws from their housing in his arms and hands truth to tell he doesn't like them much but he knows how to use them supremely well and all he's doing with his claws is deflecting a few of these missiles not cutting them up which is a little weird for some reason he's worried about the amount of missiles heading towards colossus but we learn in the next panel that colossus really don't care nope Stands his ground, he's organic steel, the missiles don't even scratch his skin. Colossus don't give a crap. He don't care. The rest of the missiles are heading towards a Nightcrawler, who presents a ridiculously easy target. But at the last moment, he teleports safely away, and the missiles harmlessly blow up. 
Banff. Yep, Brass is pretty proud of their performance, and that's when we get our... I don't know why we spent so much time with Colossus, Nightcrawler, and Wolverine when we get just a brief introduction of the rest of the characters, but... Yeah, the important characters. I guess. This is maybe maybe Colossus, uh, Wolverine, and Nightcrawler are these uh, Bones, Spock, Kirk trifecta of the X-Men. No, I think Cyclops is the Kirk. Well, you would think so. And Storm is the... Uh... Come on, say it, Uhura. No. <laughs> I would say Storm is the Spock, actually. You think so? Kinda. Huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's kind of... She's, she's kind of otherworldly and... and calm kind of and controlled. Things and, yeah, I don't know. sure, I could see that. There's probably no Star Trek metaphor to be had. So, so then who's your bones? I guess that would have to be Wolverine. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah. Uh, so the introduction to the rest of the characters, Kitty phases in, and apparently she's made dinner for everybody. Cyclops was in the game room. He was uh, he his he's got eye beams that can punch holes through skyscrapers and can make every ball in a pool table. He's done that before. Uh, Chris Claremont is repeating some of his hits, I guess. Storm lives in an attic and waters her plants with her control over weather. Yes. I, why are the plants, I guess, that's, I don't know. I, I suppose that's a nice decoration for the plants. Yeah. Uh, and then for, some, this this next part goes really quickly, and I don't quite understand it. We spent a little bit of time doing a build-up, but then at the last third of the page, it just goes really quick in which we see the outside of the mansion uh, and a dialogue box about how Kitty is worried that everyone's going to hate her food. But then she says out loud, you mean it, you really like it. And then the next panel, the professor's back in the laboratory uh, sleeping for some reason because he fell asleep because he works too hard. And somebody has broken into the mansion and puts fingers on the professor's head and draws out thoughts of Jean Grey. Yes. And this mysterious hand continues drawing out thoughts, although we don't see the hand or the figure anymore we just see the thoughts emanating from scott's head uh colossus's head uh nightcrawler's head wolverine's head and he's kind of popping his claws in his sleep mm-hmm. and storm's head and then he reaches to kitty who presumably doesn't have a whole lot of thoughts of jean gray anyway she hardly knows jean gray only met her like once yeah but she wakes up and she's like who's there uh and then ee, she phases through the floor because she sees the face of Dark Saeed, mm-hmm. and it's creepy. I like it's a nice touch when uh, Dark Saeed is taking away the thoughts of Jean, and she starts off pure, and then kind of transforms throughout her different iterations, all the way through D- Dark Phoenix. It's a it's a nice montage. Yeah, that's something only the fans would really know. Like DC people wouldn't have any idea what was going on here. Absolutely. Uh, a little bit more exposition here where Colossus is like, "Is she all right, Aurora? If Katja has been hurt, I swear I shall." So there's a little bit of an interest there, maybe. Take it easy, big fella. We all feel the same way, sort of. Storm is taking on her motherly persona. There, there, we're with you. You're safe now. There's a knock at the door. Cyclops goes to answer it, and that's when Jean is standing there and says, Scott, my love, help me! And falls towards him, knocking him backward. And then disappears when she reaches him. Cyclops. She, she almost disappears into him. Cyclops is 
smoldering, I guess, smoking, and he's all hunched over in a dramatic pose, and he doesn't know what's going on until finally he looks forward, and I don't know what's going on here, but it looks like his eye beams are so powerful that they're actually kind of, I don't know, his ruby quartz glasses aren't holding the force back, and he screams, Gene! Look at that tongue. It's very dramatic. I, I like it. I like those two panels. But yes, it's a very big tongue. Why doesn't Cyclops keep his shirt buttoned? Well, look, if you had abs like that, Adam, would you ever button your shirt? I don't know. Probably. <laughs> I don't even think I'd wear a shirt. I'd go to work and be like, well, yeah. See, that would make more sense. <laughs> That's true. Maybe he puts clothes on only to sleep and he takes them off the rest of the day. <laughs> I, I don't know. <laughs> So this is where the worlds kind of blend here in the next panel. Uh, New York has always been a city of landmarks, and the latest of which can be found on the uh, Isle of the East uh, River called Titan's Tower, home of a band of superpowered teenagers. So, Adam, are you saying that Titan's Tower is a creation just for this comic book, or does Titan's Tower actually exist in Manhattan or New York? I don't know where Titan's Tower exists, but it is it is a DC Universe thing. I don't know if it's in Metropolis or New York or what the deal is. Okay. So that's where I was trying to figure out if, uh, well, if what you said was actually true. Even though you said you made it up. I totally made it up. <laughs> Got you. And there's a woman here. This is Raven. Uh, she's a new Teen Titan. She's having a dream. She's an empath and a yeah, healer. She's, she's kind of like the uh, the gothy one. Totally. Well, uh, she's got she's got all the like she's all about the soul and the uh, darkness and the balance between darkness and light. And she's having a really bad dream uh, where the representation of herself, which is kind of a, a shadowy raven figure, gets attacked by a violent, screeching, flaming phoenix. Who yeah. that is, I don't know. I don't either. She wakes up screaming. Eee! And that's when Starfire, otherwise known as Princess Coriander. Isn't Coriander a spice? Yep, it is. <laughs> of tamarind, which I almost also think is a spice. <laughs> uh, and she runs up and she's like, are you all right? What's going on? She's not from Earth. She says weird things like, by Exol, I've never heard such a cry. Yeah, she's kind of, she's the, uh, she's... Yeah, yeah, she's the alien one, but she's kind of uh, violent, doesn't really understand human nature, does weird things all the time. Social faux pas because she's not from around here. She's sometimes the comedy relief in the cartoon. Okay. So they get up, they make uh, uh, Raven, what's her name? Uh, Raven. Yeah, they make Raven some tea and stuff and... Down comes Changeling, and he's like, what's going on, dolls? Raven okay? Hey, hey, hey. Is that, the, is that your arcade? Nope. <laughs> That's my Garfield Logan, my Changeling. <laughs> um, so Raven attempts to explain the dream to Changeling and Starfire, and uh, Changeling, listening to the description of the Phoenix, attempts to change into it um and i guess he does such a good job that starfire freaks out says phoenix and attacks him punches the the representation of the phoenix right in the throat and she starts throttling and choking him G garfield changeling oh forgive me 
I saw the Phoenix and I lost control. So this person somehow, some way in the DC universe has an attachment to the Phoenix. Well, we'll find out later. Um, maybe a little background here. Uh, in this comic book, the DC and Marvel universe exist simultaneously. Okay. And it's never really explained how or why. Okay. But like I said, I'm presuming it has to do with the first couple of pages. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sure. Sure. So however it is, these people know about the X-Men. The X-Men know about these people. They just, well, and we'll get a, there's there's a little bit of dialogue we'll hit up uh, in a moment that, that kind of ties that all together. Um, so, uh, Starbolt, um, she gets herself collected. Apparently she's got a warrior's rage. And when she's in that, uh, she could slay somebody, but she's able to get herself under control. But then she flips the Titans red alert, which I guess is essentially an Avengers assemble type deal. Yeah. Uh, she's pretty worried about this whole Phoenix thing. So we cut over to where, uh, there's some criminals in a getaway car and they are quickly stopped by uh, Kid Flash. Kid Flash is kind of funny. He runs and catches up to the burglars, and apparently one piece at a time takes the engine apart and runs away. Someone swiped our engine. I always knew my semester of auto shop would come in handy someday. This is the most amount of exposition or story you will get on Kid Flash this entire issue. <laughs> Again... He's- I noticed that this is this. I never realized it younger, but this really is very X Men heavy. Well, it's written by Chris Claremont, and I get it. I mean, I guess so, right? It's just I, I would, I would. I'm curious why maybe George Perez wasn't. Maybe Chris Claremont and George Perez hated each other or something. I don't know. Uh, George Perez did the Avengers or no uh, X Men Annual Three, I think the Archon one. Yeah. So they've worked together. Sure. I just it's just weird that yeah. Anyways, so uh Donna Troy, otherwise known as Wonder Girl, she gets the alert uh and she goes to the Teen Tower. That said she was, apparently was interrupted in the middle of a date that she was having with, with some, some man. And she is uh sort of jokingly harassed by Changeling. Va va voom, talk about your basic sight for sore eyes. Wow. Bazumba. He's uh, changed himself into a hummingbird, which is an interesting choice. But uh, Kid, or what the hell's her name? Uh, Wonder Girl, she just like, put a lit lock on it, Gar. I'm not in the mood. Kid Wonder Girl. <laughs> Whatever her name is. They're all kids. Yeah, which is weird. Cause we not- cut that Kid Cyborg. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think actually in the new Teen Titans, the current cartoon, I mean, they are all kids, including Cyborg, which is weird. Well, they're all teens. Uh, and I think uh, with Garfield, Logan, Changeling being the youngest. Yeah. Like she's thir- he's 13-ish. I guess I don't know the backstory on any of these characters, but Victor Stone, cyborg, a cybernetic organism, a superpowered synthesis of a man and machine. Is he a teen too, or is he like Deathlock? No, he's a teen. Really? They're all they're all teens. Uh. Every last one of them. Hmm. Somehow so, they're still teens. <laughs> so, so he's apparently the Spider-Man of the uh, DC universe because he's swinging around Manhattan. He says, woo-wee, what a mess. This used to be a skyscraper till it got trashed by the X-Men. Media describes them as outlaws. I wonder why the Titans have never tangled with them. So there's your connector. 
Adam, why do all the black men have to sound like Power Man? I don't know. <laughs> Baby. Uh, probably because of the way that they're drawn, like, yeah. big muscular, tough guys. Big muscular black men. And that's my, that's my fallback muscular black guy voice. And you know, at the end of the day, they get the ladies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and so they all meet back at the teen tower, uh, and one of them realizes that one of us is missing. Where is Robin? Why has he not answered the call? Kid Robin? Kid I Robin. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, over in Kid Gotham City. <laughs> at Kid Star Laboratories. There's a burglary in progress, and uh, Robin is aiming to stop it. And it looks like the robbers are weird-looking guys who look kind of like Darkseid. Yeah, they kind of remind... Who's that Avengers villain who kind of looks like Darkseid? Thanos? Thanos. This, this guy that uh, has broken in and robin has revealed the face of to me looks a lot like thanos but right yeah thanos would be the the anagram for if i'm using that word correctly <laughs> for uh uh dark side right yes robin's like what that face good lord actually <clears throat> if it's robin he'd be like good lord who is this because he's a teenager yeah he says uh holy cats <laughs> holy aliens batman batman <laughs> Batman's not there. Batman? <laughs> what What am I doing here without Batman? Oh. So he turns around and uh, a guy's like, it's called Parademon Bunky. It works for me. And this is Deathstroke the Terminator, who I guess is like, well, I don't, I don't. I don't know what his background is in the in the idea of this, but in the uh, Teen Titans cartoon again, he and Robin are like old enemies. Is he? Uh, what is? Is he a anti-hero? Is he like the Punisher? Uh, no, he he does bad things for money. Oh, because he, he doesn't kill good guys. He had degree for hire. He had his own comic book, if I'm not mistaken. He might still. Hmm. It's weird. He's he's still around. I he's even featured in. Uh, that recent Batman game. Like he's one of the the villains who was hired to assassinate Batman. Oh, like one Let's of these Arkham City, yeah. Arkham Asylum. What's the third one? Arkham or I think he's in Arkham Origins. Okay, I've not played. I don't. I've not played any of those Batman games. Oh, they're really good. You should. You should. You should uh, check them out. I own. I think a couple of them on Steam. I think I got them for like a couple bucks each. You should play Arkham Asylum. Well, that's the first one. Yeah. So naturally, that's where I should start. Well, you and technically, you could start anywhere. Right. Um, although Arkham City kind of picks up where Arkham Asylum left off. But I guess Arkham Origins is like the origin of Batman, sort of, or, or takes place before Arkham Asylum. Hmm. And I don't even know what the fourth one's called. Arkham World. <laughs> so Deathstroke pulls out his gun and shoots at Robin and Robin dodges but that doesn't matter because Deathstroke is quicker and he kicks Robin in the face you're a hot shot Robin but it gets me a man who utilizes 97% of his brain capacity with physical abilities to match you're simply outclassed wow uh, that's a myth <laughs> uh, he turns to collect his unconscious colleague uh Oh, the base of the Thanos guy. And a scientific apparatus that they came here in the first place to steal. 
the Titans red alert goes unheard. Yes. The X-Men fly the Blackbird to Elaine and John Gray's house and park it right in front of the house, (laughs) which is pretty crazy. Uh, They had something very similar happen to them. Uh, Jean Grey showed up at their house and said, Father, help me, and then disappeared. To me, this feels like page filler. Well, I mean, there's I know there's four pages in this comic, so get used to it. <laughs> yeah, well, this to me felt pretty unnecessary, but but it's the same thing, and there's a lot of dialogue about why did this happen? We're going to put a stop to it, and Jean's parents are like, "We just got over her, and now this comes back. We just want to know if everything's okay. Why would somebody torture us like this?" You know, I think it's trying to establish that we're in the Marvel universe, and I don't know. Meh. <laughs> yeah, you're right. This page is unnecessary. I don't I don't know what the deal is. A guy who looks nothing like the professor but calls himself the professor telepathically intrudes in the conversation. Well, you know, he's heavily shaded. <laughs> it's a good drawing, don't get me wrong, but it just doesn't look like the professor. Uh, and he says that, uh, hey, I'm astrally projecting myself. Look at me. Doesn't, does, I guess Elaine and... and... John Gray, is that their name? Yeah, uh, know that the X-Men are mutants at this point, right? They've been through the whole Phoenix saga, so... Oh, yeah, they know everything. So this shouldn't surprise them. Nope. Uh, giant in their living room. <laughs> so the professor's been scanning for traces of Gene, but has been unable to find any, but he has discovered something that may be of value, and what that is is uh, mysterious incidents at Kennedy Airport, the North Atlantic... Sullivan County, Texas, Antarctica, and Edinburgh. Astute X-Men fans will recognize all of those locations as places Gene has been. Well, yeah, but where, what's North Texas, or Sullivan County, Texas? What story was that? That's um, the one where they do stuff. (laughs) Because I can think of the stories that go with all of the other ones, but I can't think of what story took place in Texas. Maybe that's where the... uh, Circus was okay, maybe, maybe, <laughs> sure. It's good, good enough theory, I suppose. Um, let's see if uh, this progression continues. We could, uh, we should be able to anticipate the next event and be there to confront whoever is responsible. So here we go. And Wolverine notes that the professor is looking pretty darn tired, and uh, the professor says, "Yep, yeah, but I got to do my job." So. Uh, so you go do yours. A prof's got to do what a prof's got to do. The professor's head shrinks to the size of Wolverine's palm. <laughs> yeah. He's sort of holding it. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, I guess back in Gotham, the Teen Titans have corralled around an unconscious Robin. So they found him. Apparently the Titan Red Alert has GPS in it, which is good. Well, yeah, they need it. Yeah. <laughs> And they wake up, and they're like, what's going on, Robin? And Robin's like, what are you doing here? He's like, you didn't come when the red alert came, so we came to find you. And Robin's like, what? Raven uses her empathic powers to heal Robin. Yep, because he was pretty beat up from Deathstroke. He mentions that uh, he was ambushed by the Terminator, and that they need to go after them. They have to find Sarah Connor. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> before they're killed, before they're born. Yeah. Uh, Starfire says, well, yeah, but we also got to go after Phoenix. That's really important. And so now that we're all together, I'm going to tell you why. Yep. So the rest of the Teen Titans have been hanging out with her this whole time. She's like, not yet. I'm not going to tell you yet. We got to find Robin. No, not yet. Kid Flash, knock it off. <laughs> so, yeah, apparently so, what... Uh, and this is where I'm presuming this is like her alien background gets tied into the Marvel Universe. Yeah, I would agree. So she was apparently a slave. She was being transported by some guy to some other people who cares and while that was happening she learned of phoenix on one of those transports because they were connected and contacted by uh, all the major star systems uh, by lilandra who is of course the empress of the shiar and apparently is respected even by the citadel and she told them that there was this Earth woman who once saved the universe, and now she's been driven insane, and she will probably destroy it. And talked a little bit about the Dibari, and she was hungry, and she destroyed a battle cruiser, and then she contacted us to let us know that she was dead. So it seems like, I don't know, this just doesn't seem like enough information for Starfire to be going all crazy about Phoenix. I agree. I, uh, I wish, I don't know, they had somehow related them a little more, uh, like maybe she's somehow like, my parents were on Dabari or something like that. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I but think... That probably doesn't go with her background. So. No. I think somewhere in there, they're like, we had a lot of respect for the Dabari, but again, you're right, it's still not enough motivation for her to freak out. It'd be more of a motivation to be like, oh my God, I've heard of her. Yeah, she's no good. We should do something about that. <laughs> but not like flip out. Um, let's see. The, uh, Teen Titans argue about what they should do, go after Terminator or go after Phoenix. They decide they'll go after Phoenix, but, um, if they can't find Phoenix, they'll go after Terminator. And that's when showing her alien uniqueness, she kisses Robin in way of thanks. Yeah. And that's when, uh, Cyborg says they don't call him Team Wonder for nothing. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Uh, they go for a bit of a run to f go out. They, 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 and this is another weirdness. Uh, a woman codenamed Phoenix used to be affiliated with the X-Men. It's a slim lead, but as good a place to start as any to start our search. <laughs> or the best lead ever. <laughs> uh, and there's a special news report in the television that's in the presumably the radio shack on the street corner which says we interrupt this program for a special news bulletin even though we're in new york there was an explosion at frost industries in chicago don't know why you would want to know that but here you go to, yeah to me that doesn't seem to be like program interrupting news half a country away but whatever gets the point across maybe the program that they're interrupting is the news <laughs> that could be that'd be weird uh, interrupt this news program to bring you news <laughs> so we move our attention to some strange place where there's a whole bunch of guys that have been told to do one job an individual job and no more than that so they are basically well-oiled cogs in a larger machine and nobody cares because they're getting paid lots of money i think the only person that does care is Slade Wilson, a.k.a. Deathstroke the Terminator, who is uh, drinking a bottle of champagne. 
and watching TV. And then somebody breaks his champagne, and it turns out that it is uh, some guy. <laughs> yes, it's Ravok the Ravager. Yeah. Which reminds me of Ravage 2099. Oh, yeah? You remember that? No. It's just the name. The, the character doesn't look at all like it. Although I think Ravage 2099 had red hair. I think that was also the comic that was written by Stan Lee. Oh, I didn't read any 2099 stuff. You didn't even read X-Men 2099? Uh, uh, interestingly enough, I do have an issue. I think it's issue number three of X-Men 2099, where on the cover it proudly proclaims that this issue and X-Men dies. Uh, and also in the same issue, I believe they make a Wolverine reference. But... I think I had issue one. Okay. They had issue one of Ghost Rider 2099. Yep. <clears throat> New Universe Part 2. Yeah, that would be eventually replaced by the Ultimate Universe. Which I think... Although Spider-Man 2099 is, is in the present day now. Is it? He came from the future and now he lives in the present. In the Ultimate Universe. No, in the... In the real universe. Really? This must have been yeah. that good of a character, huh? Uh, yeah, they brought him They brought him back when Doctor Doom, or not, Doc Ock was Peter Parker, and um, they, they just kept him in the, the Marvel Universe proper. Huh. Okay. Fans raved. Is Doc Ock still Spider-Man, or is that whole thing no, been... No, Peter Parker's back. Okay. I think Doc Ock's dead. Okay. I don't, I don't know. For now. For now. Okay. Nobody really dies except for Wolverine. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about that at some point, I'm sure. Or not. I don't know. Uh, apparently this was Deathstroke's last bottle of Don Perignon 71. It's irreplaceable. And it looks like though he was almost finished with it, so I don't know what the deal is. <laughs> it looks like there was three sips left. Ravok is just trying to discover how formidable... Uh, Deathstroke truly is, and, and now he has the answer, and he presents that answer to Darkseid. Uh, Ravik's kind of a waste of a character here. He's sort of fodder for boringness. Pretty much. Uh, he's, he's like basically, uh, let's say Darkseid has two lieutenants, and Ravik is one of them, and Deathstroke is the other one. He, and they're, they're, of course, at odds. But nobody cares about Ravik. Ravik to me seems more like Magneto's toad. Yeah, kind of. But uh, anyways, because uh, he's like, great one. See how his animal threatens your loyal subjects? Why do you tolerate his presence? We have no need of humans. <laughs> and of course, Dark says like, he's useful to me. Shut up. Do not. There because I wish it so. He is useful to me, Ravik, as are you. But such usefulness, <clears throat> like my patience, is finite. <laughs> yep. Take your cadre to the final siphon point, he says to Deathstroke. And Ravok, your objective is the X-Men. I want them alive and undamaged. I want them alive. No disintegrations. So, understood. <laughs> understood. I don't remember what he says. Does he say anything? He nods. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> Back at the mansion, the professor is still sleeping, for God's sakes. Three times now. <laughs> the professor's really tired. <laughs> guess so. Wolverine's concern was justified. Xavier has been driving himself too hard all night. Yeah, I know what that means. <laughs> wow. I guess that part's not paralyzed. Don't. <laughs> 
But now he is more on guard than he has been in the past. So when Firestar Stone, Fire Human, Fire, uh, Fire Starfire, Starfire, whatever, when Starfire bursts in, threatening to kill him for no reason uh, at all. He he's able to defend himself against her with a side bolt. Um, what happened to a slim lead? We'll get there here in a second. Uh, like, we'll get there. Go from. Ugh, I, all right. Trust me, we'll get there. You telling me this is explained? Yes, it, it totally mm-hmm. is. Kind of. Uh, so after that happens, the professor is kind of uh, holding him back, or her mentally. But then Cyborg comes in and shoots a white noise generator, which confounds and confuses him, and he's out for the count. And that's when ooh, the gothy girl, what's her face? I think it's Kid Goth. <laughs> Kid Raven. Kid Raven. <laughs> she appears and she's, she's, oh God, this entire issue, she's like, oh, I hear his screams. I feel his pain in my mind. It's tearing me apart as well. Everything you do to them, do you do it to me? I'm pretty worthless if all I do is feel the pain you inflict on our enemies. <laughs> but that's what she does, essentially. Well, yeah, but she's, like, super powerful. I mean, she's really cool in the show. (laughs) I'm sure. Here we also learn that Cyborg is the guy who doesn't call anybody by names. Um, He's like, I got Baldy on the ropes. Yep. So they they basically stop the attack. Uh, Kid Flash runs in, and he's like, I swept the house, nobody's here. Robin comes in, and he's like, uh... Well, something bugging you, Robbie? Not much, not much, Cyborg. Only breaking and entering, criminal trespass, vandalism, assault, possibly attempted murder, crimes, titans committed by us. Holy vandalism, guys. (laughs) People, being teen titans does not give us any special status. We have to obey the law just like everybody else. And play by the rules. Holy Miranda rights. <laughs> and he goes on to tell Coriander, you can't just break into somebody's house. Everybody's innocent until proven guilty. Our ways may seem strange, even foolish to you. But if you want to remain a Titan, a teen Titan, you have to honor them. Holy culture shock. <laughs> so there's your explanation. Coriander, they probably came in like, okay, shh, shh, here we come. Here. And Coriander's just like, not on my watch. And that's when she burst in. Yeah, but why? Well, because she's strange and different. Yeah, but she says, Phoenix was an X-Man and Robin traced the X-Men to this place. And even though we said earlier it was a slim lead, I decided to attack a person that I do not know. Well, that's why she's not the leader of the Teen Titans. I was probably in a berserker rage and was going to kill him. <laughs> right. And, and she calls him evil one. The moment of your death is at hand, she says. Yeah. She was going to kill Professor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Holy misplaced judgment. Maybe Chris Claremont is trying to sabotage the Teen Titans. <laughs> Let's make it so that nobody wants to read this terrible comic book. <laughs> uh, and then we hear a boom. And Robin continues to talk. But Corey, that's no reason to... Uh, what the blazes? Holy boom. <laughs> And that's when Ravox shock commandos burst in and attack. Holy shock commandos. And they fight. And they start, they look at uh, Cyborg and they're like, that must be Colossus. I thought that was really funny. And I wish they had done that for like everybody. 
They kind of do it with Kid Flash where they're like, a speedster. The tapes made no mention of him. He must be a recent arrival. No matter. We'll stop him. <laughs> so he's got a cool suit that allows him to uh, pinpoint where the youth can appear so that it looks like Kid Flash is moving in slow motion and he gets punched in the back of the head. Uh, yeah, the, the Teen Titans are stopped relatively quickly here. Um, yeah. They're defeated. Uh Next, after uh, Wonder Girl is knocking people out, uh, a couple of guys phase in and knock out Wonder Girl and Robin. Uh, they stop Starfire by putting a, some disperser helmet on her head. Raven does very little. She just says, we are beaten. <laughs> well, and then she's beaten. She's she's an empath. So she's like, oh, my God, my teammates are feeling hopeless and sad. So so do I. Arg. And that's where we get our first appearance of the Boom Tube. My Electro Lance neutralized the last of them. Collect the prisoners while I summon the Boom Tube. Boom, boom, let's go back to my tube. (laughs) To transport us home in triumph. Wow, the Boom Tube. Boom Tube! Changeling, who apparently everyone was like completely ignoring because he's useless, was like, uh, ignored and so he's like well i can't change into people but i can change into animals and since these aliens aren't humans maybe i can turn into them and he does it except he's all green which is one of the things about his powers it kind of makes him useless i mean yes. you know i guess he would never be mistaken for a real animal but i guess it's still useless And this, Adam, on the next page, is a moment of truth. On a certain remote butt in New Mexico, where long ago, in gentler happy days, Scott Summers and Jean Grey consummated their love. They did it for the first and only time on the butt. That's, yeah, well, I mean, you know, there's, this doesn't mean this is the first time they did it. They consummated their love. Yeah, but maybe they consummate it every time. <laughs> uh, you only can consummate something once. No, you can, you're doing it wrong. You can consummate your love, then you can consummate your wedding. I'm but... always consummating. Every time I turn around, I'm consummating. Adam, I think you need to look up the word consummate, because I don't think it means what you think it means. Um, Probably not. <laughs> Anyways, uh, for some reason, there's a giant phallic machine on top of the place in which they consummated their love. It's consummating their love. <laughs> wow, it's the consummator. Anyways, it's a... Uh, no, I've decided that consummation means whatever I want it to. Well, well you go with that, Adam. So, uh, the, this is uh, the energy siphon, which absorbs Phoenix's residual psychic energy wherever she used her powers from Antarctica to Chicago to here. This is the last and biggest module. Apparently uh, the big man is gathering up a heck of a lot of raw power. I wonder what he's got in mind. This is a pretty good, pretty good episode. We're consummating. Yeah, but we're not consummating our love, Adam. Um, so as a verb is to bring to a state of perfection. Uh, or to complete something. But there's also, oh, this is where you're, you come in, to complete the union of marriage, the first marital sexual intercourse. And so it says it's the, it says it's the first, but it also says to complete the union of a marriage. Hmm. 
I think Chris Claremont's using this word wrong. No. <laughs> no. They were married. They, you don't have to consummate just a marriage. You can consummate a love, too. You can. It's the first time they did it. Mm, yes. Anyways. I'm, I'm going to go with the uh, to bring to a state of perfection definition. So you think like every other time was a letdown, but this time they finally got it right? No, I mean, you can consummate something more than once. Mm. Every time they did it, it was perfection. Just like this episode that we are consummating right now. I think that the generally understood use of the term consummate one's love is the first time they did it. Very well. Anyways, uh, Deathstroke is on top of the butt, and somebody from behind him says, Got a light, bub? He said, sure, because for some reason, the guy, these guys who've probably never smoked before and probably don't normally communicate with him, he's just like, oh, somebody's asking me for a light. That's cool. Nah, he knows. He's like, I'm impressed. I didn't think anyone could get the drop on me. You should have struck while you had the chance, fella. That bit of bravado will cost you. Why is Wolverine... Yeah, this is a dumb move on Wolverine's part. But then Deathstroke says, what? I missed... And Wolverine smacks him across the chest. Too bad what, I didn't. What? Oh, actually, Wolverine ducks. I see him now. Yeah. I didn't see him. I thought I thought he disappeared. And that's, I was like, where did Wolverine go? That's just Wolverine, you know, giving a little bit of, you know, cockiness. Like, I'm Wolverine. You got a light because I smoke cigars. I Yeah. Okay. This, this is not something Wolverine would normally do. But I guess if you're you're making him a loner for this issue, then... It's it's acceptable. When you're in the alternate DC universe, this is what you do. He uh I like I like this panel a lot actually. He kind of he drops the the cigar and it apparently he moves so fast the the cigar is still in the air when he's when he dodges out of Deathstroke's blow. He does. He gets the drop on Deathstroke and that's when Cyclops appears and starts shooting at some people. Nice move, Wolverine. Hey, everybody, you guys realize this is where I consummated my love with Jean Grey? <laughs> A.K.A. Phoenix. Uh, he asks Colossus to put the device out of commission, which he does. He destroys it. Uh, and that's when Storm is like, what are these creatures doing here? What purpose do they serve? This is where Jean and Scott were happiest. The last idealic interlude before the transformation of Dark Phoenix and her death. How dare they desecrate it? So after they did it on the butt was Cyclops like, hey, Storm, come here. Come here. Smell my fingers. Storm's like, oh, God, I fell for that. You're disgusting. What's wrong with you, you pig? Yeah, we just did it on the butt. <laughs> yeah, Jean went to Wolverine. She's like, Wolverine, come here. Smell my fingers. <laughs> Wolverine's like you're sick I don't love you anymore but uh so they must have taken Storm back to the butt because she recognizes this butt well yeah of course Cyclops is like hey 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 guys fly the blackbird over there <laughs> you see that blackbird want to know what we did on it we, we consummated our love, love. <laughs> oh yeah everyone's giving them high fives and stuff or maybe the uh, the like emanation from their consummation is still there. <laughs> There's never mind. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> so uh, Kitty springs into action. She she phases and surprises somebody, which is really like the only thing she does this whole issue, as far as I can recall. But that gives Nightcrawler the ability to get the jump on one of these guys and punch him in the head. Well, she does something later. Does she? Okay. Get that when we get to it. 
Uh, Deathstroke's like, the X-Men! Well, that's all right. We'll take care of these guys. And he shoots a fear bullet at Storm, which gives her the feeling of essentially claustrophobia. This kind of annoyed me, because, you know, he has a fear bullet, and who we know who has a fear. Yep. Well, and he happens to fire it at the only one that has an established fear. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's just like, oh, it's a fear. I bet they're going to hit Storm. And they do. Did we do uh, Donkashon yet? Donkashain? Donkashain Kasjen? Donkashun. Donkashun. Shun. Donkashun. Thank you. Yeah, there you go. I guess that is the first time. I don't know that he actually says Dunkashun very often, though. I think he says Dunka a lot. He does say Dunka a lot. Storm goes falling because she's a claustrophobe. Uh, one of the bad guys throws Nightcrawler at Kitty and Wolverine. Uh, and basically, they just take out the X-Men really quickly. Yeah, these these uh, these beastie guys, whatever they're called, I don't remember. Um, they're, they're tough. Yeah. They take Teen Titans, and they take out the X Men. Man, they are uh, they are clearly going to present a lot of uh, difficulty for these guys in the future. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, they won't have a chance. Pretty much, yeah. So the the well, the machine is destroyed, but it was able to collect some of the consummation emanation. <laughs> so Deathstroke's like Deathstroke is like this isn't a complete loss, and I have the X Men. So, well, no, we learn later that he wasn't able to get any of the, the consummation uh, stuff. Oh, he wasn't? Oh, okay. Consummation juices. Oh, uh, gross. He says he has enough because he's gotten enough from all the other places. Um, we, we, we learn later that they also hit up uh, Frost Enterprises at Chicago during this. Right. Uh, so we turn our attention to The Wall which is something in the DC universe. It's the ultimate barrier, and apparently now it's been breached. Heck just, yeah. Just like Gene was when they consummated their love. hey <laughs> Bad. <laughs> <laughs> and so Darkseid is not happy with Rava, because he's like, these are not the X-Men. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> True. How could you make such a stupid mistake? But they met the descriptions. No, one of them met the description. <laughs> yes. And, well, okay, two of them. The, the professor. professor is the professor. And uh, I'll accept that maybe you thought that this uh, cyborg guy was Colossus, but explain to me how the rest make any sense. <laughs> Which one is Robin supposed to be? Kid Flash? Come on, Ravok. That's when Deathstroke shows up and he's like, face it, jerk, you're screwed up. Those aren't the X-Men, they're the Teen Titans. I got the X-Men right here. Terminator. I got good news and bad news, boss. Uh, good news is I got the mutants. The bad news is we didn't get any uh, consummation energy. <laughs> Darn it. That is unfortunate. Those residual emanations were particularly sexy. <laughs> so everybody knows what happened on the butt. Like, there was video cameras and satellites and even unearthly deity guys like Darkseid are like, do you know what they did on the butt? <laughs> <laughs> it is probably best that you do not know what they did on the butt. But let me tell you. <laughs> so, anyways. They did it. The proverbial it. Uh, 
And so Darkseid's like, oh, by the way, since when are any of my parademons green? How could you not notice that? God, you messed up a lot. And that's when he kills Rebek with his... I, which I don't quite understand how this works, but apparently the Omega effect and, and Darkseid's Omega effect is a thing that Darkseid does. I think it's how he killed Batman. Oh, he killed Batman? Yeah. Batman, of course, came back a year later, but oh. I know it has something to do with the Omega effect, or maybe Batman like Batman shot Darkseid with an Omega gun or something like that. I don't know. Batman doesn't use guns. He 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 made an exception this one time because Darkseid was super, really doing bad stuff. Super bad. Did he bring back Bruce's Bruce Wayne's parents just to kill him again? No, that would have been that would have been interesting. <laughs> that would have been a very dark story. Uh, so yes, uh, Ravok is dead. Hooray! And uh, Darkseid's like Deathstroke, even though you did it everything pretty well just this is a lesson right you understand that this is a symbol of my power this is what happens when people screw up got it boss <laughs> so they tie up the x-men in a big wheel looking thing a couple of them actually with the professor mm-hmm. at the base and the teen titans below the professor yeah it's like what did they just build this machine that it happens to have space for all of the x-men and the teen titans uh what i want to know is why is there a special little clip that was built for kurt's tail (laughs) (laughs) i didn't even notice that (laughs) right i mean everything else makes sense but it's like they're like well we're gonna put nightcrawler here so let's put a thing up for his tail because we don't want that thing getting loose well this thing is clearly designed for the x-men because like the professor gets to sit in the chair and all the rest of them are hanging out on the sides. Didn't well, Dark Seed sent uh, Ravok to get the X Men, and he sent Deathstroke to get the Emanation. So it makes sense that while they were doing that, some of these Paraborg, whatever they are, uh, were building the X Men device. So yeah. Remember, Nightcrawler's tail is very dangerous, <laughs> so we need a clip to hold it down. I'm on it, boss. I got that's my job. I got that one. I won't let you down. Uh, Kitty is unable to phase out of the, her 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 contraption or her trap, or the clamps, and uh, that's I guess uh, Dark Said overhears her and says, "There are no spaces between the atoms of your manacles for those of your body to squeeze through," which is an interesting. Like, I've never really thought of Kitty's power that way. Uh, it probably has been explained that way, but I don't know that it ever has actually has been explained that way. Although it's kind of neat. I think in some X-Men issues, it's explained that like denser materials are more difficult for her to phase through. But this is to, honestly, I mean, this is uh, the first and only appearance that I am aware that a material was so densely packed with atoms that she was unable to phase through it. Not saying that it doesn't exist, of course. But anyhow. We get a weird <clears throat> panel of Darkseid's finger. Heavily inked. I like it though. It's weird because like if you if you close off if you cover the part of the hand <laughs> it doesn't look like a finger anymore. Huh, that's that's very interesting. It's kinda creepy. He's like Deathstroke, what does this look like to you? <laughs> I've been working on this all day. <laughs> yeah, and there's interesting shading right at the tip. <laughs> 
<clears throat> so Dark Saeed talks about how children are really dangerous to him because they know me for what he is, and once they lose their innocence and become adults, they represent his ultimate victory. Whatever. I don't know what any of that means. Uh, yeah, me neither. Uh, they have to <clears throat> activate the Psycon wave, and so they do. And that is draining... Uh, a fiery envelope surrounds the X-Men and drains them of more memories of their fallen comrade. And damn, does it look like it hurts. Yeah. Uh, here we get the uh, consummation of uh, Dark Saeed's plan. <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. Okay, uh, so yeah, uh, Metron gave him the psychic, the Psycon wave or whatever, and now we learn what the Psycon wave is for. Finally, as uh, essentially Dark Saeed uh, creates from the X Men's memories the resurrection of Phoenix. So this counts as the first return of Phoenix, and she says, "Who dares?" Oh, summons! Trademark font, Dark Phoenix! <laughs> I, trademark font, Dark Side. <laughs> yep, yes sir. And it's... Oh, you have a nice trademark font. <laughs> I like yours. Would you like to trade sometime? <laughs> Let's be lovers. You know, my font is in lowercase and your font is in uppercase. Who dares? Uh, Dark Side offers his hand. Gene reaches out to it, and Cyclops is in the background going, Gene, no! Dark Forget about Lee Forrester! <laughs> yeah. Uh, you waste your breath, youngling. She is mine. No, Cyclops thinks to himself. We both have Dark in our first name. <laughs> uh, Changing interrupts. He's like, I would like to know what the plot is now. <laughs> what are you doing? Oh, I thought you would never ask. <clears throat> I am Dark Seed, Lord of Apocalypse, Eternal Fall of the Lord of the... Hello? Uh, do I, I, you asked me a question and you're falling asleep? That's literally the rudest thing that I have seen all week. So, yeah, it's a lot of boring stuff. But he, what he wants to do is unleash everything on the Earth and destroy it so that he can start over. Kinda? I guess Apocalypse is a place. Yeah, or, or he's, a, he's creating a new apocalypse uh, on top of Earth. From it, I will extend my domain first to New Genesis, then to all the realms of reality, and uh, ultimately to those of imagination as well. So, geez, no delusions of grandeur here. Yeah, he he, and there's going to be apocalypse pits. Oh yeah, everywhere. So many apocalypse pits. Uh, lousy murdering scum. <laughs> says cyborg most impressive construct those bonds should be rendered to render you inert yet you still move if i were free i would beat you <laughs> that's said. be thankful you are not victor stone out of hunger i consumed a star out of rage enough right, my dear right, enough <laughs> they get the picture all right i just told yeah. i just told the apocalypse story Please do not steal my thunder. Your voice is really grating. <laughs> Let's go. Into the boom tube, everybody. I'm assuming they're going into the boom tube. It's, yeah, it's got to be a boom tube. <laughs> if it's not the boom tube, it is a boom tube. 
Everybody, let's get boom tube in. <laughs> let's make this boom tube into a boom slide, y'all. Wee! So they all jump the into reason, it. As soon as everybody leaves, all of the X-Men and the Teen Titans restraints vanish. Which is a terrible idea. Between Dark Phoenix and Dark Say, they, they, I mean, they have the Omega Force and the Phoenix Force. Between both of those, they could be like, before we leave, you're dead. Okay, into the boom tube, everybody. Or even like, you know, let's not let them go as soon as we leave. <laughs> Well, the restraints... That's to be like a mistake in somebody's part. Like they were like, yeah, these these restraints are going to hold, right? Yeah, 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 boss. This will be fine. Um, did, you, did you fix up the restraints? I didn't have time. I, well, he won't know. I thought you were working on that. No, no, I was working on the Nightcrawler tail restraint. Oh, man. Let's not tell him. He won't know. <laughs> yep, so they disappear as soon as they leave. Everybody's free. And we get a nice big splash page of the new Teen Titans introducing themselves to the X-Men. Before that, we get some kind of... uh, Raven has some feelings where she she talks about how Darkseid has absolute control and not even the slightest particle is allowed to escape. His soul is an emotional void, an empathic black hole, and his strength, his power is monstrous. I thought that was neat. No. I probably just skimmed that part. It's a big block of text. So, yeah, they shake hands, Robin and Cyclops, and everybody just kind of stares at each other. Even though earlier in the comic book, Storm was introduced as the leader, she doesn't really take a leaderly role in this. The professor kind of looks on like, they attacked me. (laughs) Yeah. Gee, that green guy looks my age. He's kind of cute, too. Except for his greenness. (laughs) Uh, and Wolverine, uh, well, the, the bird woman is like, I don't like Wolverine. He scares me. He possesses a capacity for violence greater than even Coriander or, or times. Yeah. Or maybe even Rosemary. I spook the bird lady. I wonder why. Eh, whatever. <laughs> I don't like working with kids. They must die. Futzer. <laughs> All these kids are a bunch of futzers. So they notice that the atmosphere is, well, the air is getting thinner, so the atmosphere must be dissipating. Uh, Cyborg whips up a radar scan to see if there's anything moving, or I don't know what he does here. Yep. Hey, people, my radar scan shows something moving off to the left, real close, too. And my senses indicate it's it's a functioning mechanism. Wow, those gadgets are neat. The professor let me, comments. Let me phase through the. Oops, sorry. Oh, I just broke cyborg. <laughs> uh, the professor comments to himself that it's as if those mechanisms were almost alive. Hmm. Is cyborg a being, a mechanism, or both? I don't really care. <laughs> I just wanted to fill my mind with some thoughts because I'm getting kind of bored. <laughs> Within minutes, uh, asteroid takes off as they they. How do they? Oh, I see. They use Starfire's starboats and Cyclops's optic blasts to guide the asteroid towards whatever it is they're 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 trying to find. Which they don't know yet, but but it's the chair. Remember the chair, the Mobius the, chair, the Mobius chair. A chair, all that work for a crummy chair. I'll use my go go gadget arm to haul it in. And he does. He reels it in. He's like, well, I don't know what this is. Kitty flirts with Changeling. Uh, Kid Flash is like, 
I'm racist. Yeah, that's weird. Uh, your 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 steel pals are Russian, and I'm and African. I'm African kid flash is that important? We'll never find out. <laughs> no, like they don't ever continue this discussion. That, yeah, that whole last panel there is just like meaningless discussions that go nowhere. Well, the kitty, the kitty, and uh, Garfield exchange at least continues. Kind of, but yeah. Fascinating. I'm convinced the chair is a mechanism, which we established earlier, and is functioning, but it is based on principles so alien and terrestrial science as to be akin to magic. Hmm. Kitty and Garfield sit in the chair as everybody faces with their backs to the chair, starts having a conversation, and Kitty says, I wish I was home, and that's when they disappear kitty the chair where'd it go the question was hardly been uttered when they're back hi guys we didn't mean it honestly all i did was wish so you're telling me that they wished they were home and as soon as they got home they're like i wish i was back on that asteroid yep how did they get back so fast but anyways i wish i wasn't home <laughs> <laughs> of course the chair is controlled telepathically by thought <laughs> The writing oh, was... Oh, of course. Why didn't I realize it in the first place? It's just a chair. That's why. <laughs> There's no possible reason that I would have thought that it was controlled telepathically. Yet, I always suspected. <laughs> it appears so, Professor, but how are we all going to fit on that chair? Holy teleportation. <laughs> and that's when uh, Kid Changeling turns into a giant pterodactyl. And the pterodactyl carries the chair, and everybody gets on changeling. Except for the professor who sits in the chair. Well, of course. <clears throat> I will sit in the chair. Uh, Starfire learns that Peter speaks Russian. Oh, and this is interesting. Kitty, uh, well, uh, Colossus is getting jealous of Kitty and Garfield and thinks to himself... Kitty had changeling transformed into Lockheed the dragon. I thought that was our special character, our secret. She seems very attracted to changeling. I did not think that would upset me so. Um, so this Lockheed the dragon. This is this is. Does this ever show up in the X Men? I mean, other than the character Lockheed, <laughs> obviously, but, but uh, the, this this special thing between Kitty and Colossus. I don't know. Honestly, don't know. That'll be interesting to is, so, discover. Uh, this story is not in canon, but um, is it in the right order? Or are we roughly in the right order? Uh, we're, we're, I think we're still in... We're, we're ahead of ourselves, I suppose. This came out in 82, okay. and I think we're still in 81. So okay. it is possible that in a couple issues we'll learn of Lockheed the Dragon. Oh, I'm sure we do learn of Lockheed the Dragon in a couple of issues, but... Uh, is it 153? I think I think it might be. I'm not really sure, though. I don't remember. But that doesn't seem like a special secret character, since everybody's listening to that. Spoilers. Anyways, anyway, moving on. <laughs> we get our first Lennon's good, but uh, that gets interrupted as Starfire kisses Colossus in order to absorb uh, his language. Well, that's because after he gets through his jealousy thought, he says aloud in Russian, Pyotr Niklovich, you're acting like a fool. Oh, wonderful. And that's when Nightcrawler, ever the funny devil, says, Fraulein, sprechen Sie Deutsch? At which point, 
Does she already know German? She's she's like, yeah, I know German. <laughs> I'm making out with you, blue guy. Fräulein, sprechen Sie Deutsch? The literal translation, according to Google, is... Miss, they special German. <laughs> but I don't think that's quite right. <laughs> they special? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not yeah, right. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, 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 they speak German. Yeah. Well, no, it means... Uh, do well, you... Yeah. Do you do you know German or do you speak German or yeah, whatever? But, something like that. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to go with the Chris Claremont got that wrong. Sure. Well, it might be spelt wrong. Anyways, uh, that's when Kitty is like, the hussy and Peter's enjoying it too. So it's true. She was being all flirty with Garfield, but as soon as the tables are turned, she's like, hmm. Anyways. Uh... Well, this sir, Starfire absorbs languages through physical contact. Holy inappropriateness. <laughs> yeah. So they all board Garfield, and Odie shows up, and Garfield kicks him into next Wednesday. Oh, wait. Um, I hate Mondays. <laughs> and they, they, somebody, I don't know who is controlling it, but uh, they wish. To well, not- probably the professor. Since he's sitting in the chair. I will be the one to wish, everyone. Uh, just silence your minds. You're not needed at this second. Why is there cake here? <laughs> Did somebody not control their wish? We might only get a few of these. Oh, now is that a pony? I'm going to need everybody. Oh, a unicorn, really? A unicorn. All right. I wish I was on Earth. <laughs> uh cyclops does have a little like boy if i ever get my hands on dark side i'm gonna make him pay you had no right to resurrect phoenix or to violate us in the process if it takes eternity i'll find you yeah so they arrive in new york city in a big splash page um yep it's it's cool. I you know this again makes me appreciate the uh, the artwork of Walt Simonson. Oh no, it's a great panel. I'm not criticizing at all. It's like a it's kind of like it's kind of Spider Man esque where the city is kind of tilted at a 45 degree angle. Everybody else is kind of um, at a 90 degree angle, I guess, to the city. So it's like kind of all askew. So I don't so know. It's like it's like a Dutch angle, but with the the uh, the the focus of the image is at a regular uh, straight angle. Yeah. I don't know what a Dutch angle is, but sure, I'll take your word for it. That's just a 45-degree angle. Oh, it's my... Every, it's, it's, it's one of those shots in a movie when everything's at a 45-degree angle. So when I said 45-degree angle, you're like, I'm going to translate that to Dutch angle because that'll be much clearer. <laughs> for all you film buffs out there... <laughs> <laughs> there was one film nerd out in the audience who was like, 45-degree... Oh, Dutch angle. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> love that there was, there, was, there was an entire movie shot in dutch angles once it was very confusing uh was it one of the spider-man movies i mean one of the batman movies no it was um it was it was a live action version of an anime movie oh because i think like, like it was wicked city batman and robin was shot horribly and i think there was a lot of oh yeah well they probably did it partially on purpose God, that movie's so bad I've not Wait, even seen it all the way. Oh, f- oh Batman and Robin, the... The, the movie. The, the 90 one? Yeah, with George Clooney and that guy. I thought you were talking about the Batman TV series from the 60s. Oh, no, no. Anytime they did it there, they meant to do it, and it was awesome. 
Yeah, I don't even... All I remember about that Batman and Robin movie was, holy metal, Batman. Holy rusted metal. Holy rusted metal, Batman. The metal, it's got holes in it. And it's rusted. Yeah, um, I don't know why. I've never seen the whole movie, which I know why, because I was like, I'm not interested in Batman movies anymore because they all suck. Uh, But I keep catching little bits of it on TV, and I keep getting sucked in and just mesmerized by how awful it is. Oh, it's so good. (laughs) But maybe that's the thing. Like, maybe I need to start from the beginning, and maybe I'll get in on the joke and be like, oh, yeah, this is brilliant. Which which is, is that the one with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger as Mr. Freeze, or is that the next one? No, I think that's the last one. I think that was the one that killed the franchise. That's the one with Mr. That one's the best one. (laughs) I don't know about that. Well, I don't know if, if it's the best one, but it's... The most out there one, and it's the most fun to watch because it's so bad. Yeah. But it's like, it's really like over the top bad. It's the one that harkens back to the 60s show the most. Right. And it's like utter cheesiness and I don't know. I think that's... is is amazingly bad. (laughs) Well, right. Uh, I think that's part of the problem is because when they brought out Batman with well, when they brought out the movie, they wanted to be as far away from Batman, the TV series, as they possibly could be. And for them to fall back into it was, I don't know, felt kind of lazy. Jeez, cheesy. I, I I preferred it. I mean, I don't know. Well, it, it's different. But, like, those those 90s Batmans where they have, like, their place and, and whatnot, I, I probably wouldn't, like, I don't get as much entertainment out of them. The first Batman and, with, uh, what's his face? With Michael Keaton, I originally, yeah, originally I liked them, but I was like, I don't think they, for me, and everyone in the world is going to disagree with me on this. <laughs> yeah. They just, uh, I just like the kitschiness of the, the, I, no, I hate Batman and Robin. It was terrible, <laughs> but I, I like Bat Family or whatever the hell the last one's called. Isn't that Batman and Robin? No, Batman and Robin is, uh, the one with Riddler and, uh, Two-Face. Are you sure? Yeah, it's uh, Batman Forever oh. is the last one. Okay, so that's the one, maybe that's the one I'm talking about. That one's got Poison Ivy and Bane. And Batgirl. Uh, Batgirl. Yeah. And Mr. Freeze. Yeah. And uh, George Clooney. Yeah, all right. Well, and the Bat Card. The Bat Card? Yeah. No, see, I haven't... Gotham City is filled with statues that they drive around on. It's just so... Loot. It's so... It's so terrible like it's ridiculous but it's like fun to watch well, well, i'm done i'm getting off my soapbox <laughs> all right anyways uh <clears throat> they diversion batman uh so uh changeling flies them towards central park where every summer the new york philharmonic plays the 1812 overture it's true and so there they are and they're like wow we're here you're smiling, Wolverine. What's so funny? That's Starfire. Well, yeah, it could have been Storm. It doesn't matter. <laughs> well, it does because they're the two warriors of the two teams. I suppose. Uh, she had a very smallish voice in the cartoon. I wish. You're smiling, Wolverine. What's so funny? But uh, nothing. Everything. I'm a scrapper, Starfire, and I love a good fight. And this one looks to be the one of the best. I don't mind dying just so I get a fair shot at Darkseid first. Yep, I'm Wolverine. <laughs> I'm the best at what I do. <laughs> yeah, so Goth, Kid Goth is like, Professor, I sense an empathic void. I'm about to be useless for a while. Oh, and we can't attack those people in Central Park. Professor's like, we don't have an alternative. 
Let's go. Yeah, we're going to go somewhere where we have an alternative. Which is really weird because there's this big buildup of like, we can't kill those innocent people. And then they go and they, uh, the Mobius chair flies down to Darkseid's base, which is essentially the core of the Earth. Yeah, we never see the innocent people again. <laughs> well, we, we will, but not in any danger. I don't know. The professor makes a big deal about how we don't have the luxury of choosing between good and evil. Since Darkseid's going to take over the world, these people are, may have to die, as we may have to die. But turns out, no. The Mobius chair will take us to a better place. Yeah, we don't have to worry about that. So they get down there, and they're like, here we are. Uh, the storm's thinking to herself, oh my god, uh, feeling kind of claustrophobic again. Man, which, which we're on. Claustrophobia was under control until Terminator's Ray brought back all my childhood terrors stronger than ever. You okay, Aurora? No, Scott, I am ter terrified, but I shall cope. That's the spirit. He says with a big <laughs> cheesy grin. Changeling yeah. turns into a wolf and starts smelling around. And he's like, ah, there's so many smells, I can't sort them out. But Wolverine's... Good kid, I can. Kid Kitty says your name's Logan. So is mine. Think we're related? Kitty talks too flaming much. Hush up, boy, we're getting close. Okay. <laughs> That you are, runt, says Sabretooth from out of nowhere. <laughs> oh, wait, no, it's Deathstroke. And he says, now we're even. You got the jump on me. I got the jump on you. <laughs> and the walls collapse in and parademons uh, start attacking the Teen Titans and the X-Men. You remember those as the guys that handily took them out in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> so do you think it's because the Teen Titans and the X-Men are working together and there's more of them that... They're able to take out the parademons with ease? Don't know. <laughs> what happened to the parademons, like, super cool weapons that took out the the titans in the first place? Don't know. Why is Or, or the X-Men. I mean, they took out three X-Men with one gun. Where's <laughs> that gun? I don't know. And Deathstroke's not using his fear bullets anymore. He's just kind of, like, walked away. <laughs> I don't need fear bullets. So they fight for a little bit, and then Storm... Um, by Cyclops' command, even though, like, earlier in the comic, they said that Storm is the leader of the team. It's Cyclops that's giving out most of the orders. But he tells uh, Storm to bring down the roof, so she does a little avalanche, and Deathstroke's like, wow, thousands of tons of rocks, but I'll bet you no parademons were killed because Storm's got a heart. Hmm, interesting. Well, Cyborg says, my white sound generator has him on a run, won't I? Now what? And Cyclops says, I'll blast us to an escape route to lower levels. And Cyborg, we all have names. I'd prefer if you use them. The last guy to call me One-Eye, well, he died. <laughs> and so after the avalanche, the X-Men do burrow their way down and get into a crazy fortress. We've arrived, people. Into the line. Why is Cyclops' visor smoking? <laughs> As we've learned in the previous comics, his powers are force-based and not heat-based. So that's a good question. I don't know. And who is the guy at the bottom of the page? Well, that's a very well-drawn, fishy-head henchman. But he's clearly, like, why is he there? <laughs> well, and where is he? And where is he? <laughs> Perspective-wise, we're looking down at a at Darkseid's head or Darkseid's carved head but anyways whatever's down there is a long ways down and then the x-men are pretty far away in this panel and then in the foreground we get this henchman whose face is not looking at the x-men he's looking directly at us 
dark side. I, my guess is that like Walt Simonson drew a giant wiener in the corner. <laughs> somebody, had... somebody at Marvel was like, "Hey, uh, Louise Simonson or Jones, why don't you draw over that? It looks too much like a wiener." We we're gonna let that finger you draw earlier. We're gonna let that slip, but this no, this is just too graphic. <laughs> We've got the comics code and everything. Dark Phoenix pops out and she's like, the X-Men and the new Teen Titans, period. <laughs> Gee whiz. <laughs> it's not even really a full sentence. The X-Men and the new and the Teen Titans, period. Well, she says, dark side, my love, we have visitors, the oh. X-Men and the Teen Titans. Oh, I thought that that was the henchman that said that. No, that's what makes the henchman even more confusing. <laughs> Why is he there? Okay. Very curious. He doesn't. He doesn't even have dialogue. <laughs> he's just a big. He's head not there. even in the scene. I mean, I'm assuming he's the guard in the like in the middle uh, of the panel on the right. All right. So Dark Side's like, oh, I stranded them on the other far side of the universe, and they got back here. Huh? Wow. I underestimated them. Maybe I should have killed them. <laughs> oh well. Maybe I should have uh, checked their restraints before I left. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Use some rope or something. You know. Not something that was based upon a power, I guess, that dissipated the moment we left the asteroid. But eh, whatever. Terminator, go get him. <laughs> and that's when Wolverine somehow is all the way at the bottom. You heard the, bu- uh, the man, bub. Let's play tag. You're it. Gripes, I thought I was fast. Here, once again, showing that Deathstrike and uh, Wolverine are kind of equals. Kind of, yeah. Nemesis, I, if they were in the same universe. Um, Firestar starts shooting at Phoenix, and Phoenix is like, ugh. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and smacks her to the ground. Stellar energy sustains me. Your star bolts make me stronger. They tickle me. <laughs> Nightcrawler appears uh, above her. It looks like he's about to punch her in the head. Uh, Stop this, I beg you. Storm, or Jean, for the love of heaven, remember who you are. I know who and what I am, Nightcrawler, and it is not Jean Grey. And here's where Raven uh, shows herself as kind of a potential, I mean, she gets her butt kicked, but, you know, Jean Grey respects her, or Phoenix respects her at least a little bit. Mm-hmm. We are too much alike, we could almost be sisters. No. But she defeats her. Enough, Phoenix, the moment is at hand. Behold my dread. And, uh, my loving lord, the Hell Pit is born! Hey, everybody, we're the Hell Pit. <laughs> we're going to and carry you out. Yeah, so a whole bunch of robots uh, attack them. Uh, oh, and uh, Kid Wonder Woman, or Wonder Girl, whatever her name is. Well, they're still over with the parademons. Uh, I'm, I'm not sure why. So these people who have had virtually no dialogue the entire issue, Kid Flash and Kid Wonder Girl... Uh, I our... Storm trapped the parademons under bricks. Did she also trap Kid Flash and Wonder Girl in, under bricks? My must be. Now, you yeah, guys, that wasn't very nice. You guys stay behind and take care of those parademons. <laughs> but what? No! <clears throat> uh, Darkseid says, Your world is doomed. In a matter of minutes, the Phoenix Bolt will strike the Earth's core, and the transformation will become irreversible. The borehole will immediately expand to its proper diameter, engulfing New York City. Simultaneously, other hell pits will radiate outward from... Hey, wake up! I'm telling you the plot. 
Yield X-Men, Teen Titans, your, 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 your curse is lost. Feudal. Join us. Live prosperously. Darkseid is generous to those who serve him. Wake How up. are all these guys sitting at chairs monitoring stuff? <laughs> it's like the Darkseid Council. <laughs> mm, this is a good plan. Yes, this is a very good plan. Mm, yes, I agree. The plan passes four to three. <laughs> uh, the eyes have it. Uh, <clears throat> meanwhile, uh, Kid Changeling and Kid Sprite are in the machinery. Kid they Changeling machine if you will is a rat and he's chewing on some of the wires and kitty's just phasing through some of the electronics as, as you do when you're a kitty mm-hmm. a kid kitty uh professor stumbles across um raven who's laying on the ground and hey i just beamed in on my chair this chair's awesome i can go anywhere in this chair this is so cool <laughs> gotta go i was just skiing in the alps and then i came back here <laughs> And this is still happening, so I'm going to go check out Sweden. I'll be back. Uh, I cannot. I dare not. Um, So the professor has scanned Phoenix and found out uh, that Darkseid failed to gather all her residual energy, that being the consummation animation. Uh, So the creation is a flawed vessel. She can be beaten, but Raven must help. Um, To... Explain this. It, I didn't quite understand this right away, but I guess the they have to make the phoenix realize that she's not the real phoenix, and that causes her to doubt herself, which ca- causes her to start to um, disappear. Yep. So now uh, Phoenix is referring to the X Men and Teen Titans as the X Titans. Somebody got me. <laughs> somebody got tired of penciling in the X Men and Teen Titans. Don't appear to be interested in surrendering Darkseid. I am so glad. Why wouldn't they call them the Teen Men? That's so much cooler. <laughs> the Teen Men. I don't know. It's a really good idea. As you wish. Uh, with them, Phoenix, while I deal with these minor distractions, the children, uh, he's referring to Changeling and Kitty, uh, will suffer their fate. Um, guys? Your friends? <laughs> the professor in his mighty chair and Raven in her mighty soul cloak attack Phoenix with a, which, with a, with a side blast that causes her to it's a really cool image actually she she bends backwards and the the phoenix that is surrounding her also bends backwards yeah in in agony it's a good drawing the attack is devastating because it uses the one weapon to which dark phoenix is vulnerable an emotion love you might say the consummation of said love <laughs> her own abilities heightened by xavier's side powers raven drains phoenix of rage and hatred and lust Feeling that emotional void in turn with the love felt by Xavier and all of the X-Men for Jean Grey. Phoenix's reaction is a shriek torn from the pit of her soul. All you need is love. Mm-hmm. Dark side is like, Phoenix? And that's when Robin bursts into the scene and is able to snatch Kitty and Changeling away to protect him. Holy close call, guys. I got you. <laughs> I'm useful. I haven't been in the book for like the last 10 pages. I wish Batman was here. <laughs> He'd know what to do. He'd have something in his utility belt. Um, Deathstroke and Wolverine are still fighting, and Cyclops comes in and just shoots Deathstroke. <laughs> 
The Psy War rages. Xavier torn and tormented by memories of what was, thoughts of what might have been. Surprisingly, instead of weakening him, his grief only strengthens his resolve. Then Phoenix starts feeling funny. I feel funny. She's disappearing. And then uh, Robin says, oh, I see what's happening somehow. And I'm going to, I got an idea. And he says, Phoenix, you need power to sustain yourself. Absorb the Phoenix bolt you shot into the earth. Holy plot device. Well, he gets that because the professor mentally communicated with everybody, kind of filling him in with what was going on. And Yeah, well, I still don't understand what that means. Only... Absorb the phoenix bolt you shot into the earth. Oh, so, so she's removing... Okay. The danger from the earth. The phoenix bolt is going to destroy the earth, and she's... They're, they're tricking her into pulling it back into herself. Okay, yeah. I didn't get that the first time through. No, ultimate victory within my grasp. <clears throat> you will not be permitted to thwart me. <clears throat> That's when Kid Flash shows up. Apparently he's done fighting the parademons. That was convenient timing. <laughs> Forget about her, Ugly. You got problems of your own. Oof, it's like I just ran into a mountain, but I toppled him. So Darkseid gets knocked kind of on his side, and that's when uh, Colossus and Kid Wonder Girl and Kid Cyborg and Kid Firestorm knock him over. And hey, we're not Kid Colossus. (laughs) Kid Colossus. And that's when he's like, well, that's all right. I have my Omega effect, and I will expunge you. Just you wait till I get my Omega force out. And his eyes start to glow because he's going to shoot out his Omega effect. But that's when Starfire comes in and says, I'll stop his eyeballs with my Starbolts. And she does. It, look, if I'm a dark side and like things are always like things are going bad, I'm always using that Omega effect. Well, apparently the Omega effect backfires uh, going back into his own head. And he's like, dang, that hurt. Well, only because Starfire was given the opportunity to hold his bolts back. But, I mean, there's plenty of opportunities where he's walking around going like, uh, you will not thwart me. The Omega effect takes a while to warm up. <laughs> okay. It's like the Death Star, you know, it's like... <clears throat> Hold on. <laughs> Just a couple more seconds. Okay, full operate. Ah! <laughs> oh man, we blew up. Uh, yes. Omega effect backfired. The pain. Titans, X Men, you will pay for this before I am done. You will beg for death. I will not <clears throat> be belittled enough to say X Titans. <clears throat> nope, that's Phoenix's line, not mine. Phoenix absorbs the Phoenix bolt, uh, but it's not enough. My power has been restored to me. Face me now, X-Titans, if you dare. It wasn't enough. I'm fading. I can't stop myself. Help me. I don't want to die. And you shall not. (laughs) His eyes are like caved in. It's (laughs) kind of neat. There is a reserve both life and power. Take a physical form through which your energies can be focused. Yes, but who? And Psychop is like, everybody, get away from me. It's got to be me. I don't want to risk any being anybody else. I'm Cyclops. I'm the guy. Everybody get away. She's hey, Gene, I'm over here. <laughs> Remember the consummation? <clears throat> you and me consummated. Hey. <laughs> At least once. 
Come, my once and former lover, embrace your destiny. And so she flies into Cyclops and he turns into Cyclops Phoenix. That's not the first time this will happen. (laughs) Not the last time this will happen, rather. Probably, yeah. Uh, I I hope he doesn't get too carried away with these powers. No, the memories, the emotions, I cannot bear them. They are not Dark Phoenix. I am power. I am chaos. So he's kind of like arguing with himself. But But you're inside of my head. A part of me. Your original creation sprang from love. Our love. When we consummated our love. On the butt. We did it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, Accept it, and I am doomed. It would have been better had I remained as I was to have this illusion. This brief taste of life. Only to see it snatched away to be condemned to eternal oblivion. Dark side! And Cyclops whips off his mask and visor. Uh, We get three panels of the shocked X-Men and Teen Titans watching this. (laughs) Holy crap! Whoa! (laughs) This just got real Robin. I know! (laughs) With Batman! (laughs) Holy shit! I I mean... (laughs) Holy sheep dip! Uh, So Cyclops unleashes a optic blast of Phoenix Force. Yeah, that's kind of cool. And shoots Dark Side, who's just kind of standing there like, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> crap. Things were going so well. And he blows everything up. And when the ashes and the smoke clears, the X-Men are hanging all over the place. They've scattered, but they're all still alive. And, and, and the Teen Titans are there, too. The, Let's not forget them. Nope, they're all alive. And at the crescendo of the 1812 overture, uh, the fireworks go off, or what they think are the fireworks, which is the explosion of the phoenix. Carrying Darkseid away. Well, that's that's at like the, the uber crescendo. Almost on cue, they see the phoenix bird fly out, and they're like, wow, 1812 overture is so awesome. You think because it's almost on cue, somebody like... The the organizers like ah they were so close. <laughs> we're gonna have to fire that uh, special effects producer. He was a half a beat off. But but my special effects were on cue. <laughs> Those weren't my special effects, everybody. I don't want to surprise anybody, but we didn't do that. <laughs> and it flies away. The distance from the earth to the wall, so it heads back to the wall, uh, is so great it cannot be imagined. Yet Phoenix crosses the link of ah blah blah, and. The sh- they go back to the wall. She's become too human to remain a goddess while remaining too much a goddess to live as a human being. That paradox is her downfall and her glory. The concert is over. The audience members walk away and they walk past Belvedere Castle. Is that a place? Uh, Maybe it's a DC place. I don't know. That's what I was wondering. Is like they make a big note of it. Like those heading for the west side of Manhattan passing by Belvedere Castle. Uh, there was <clears throat> there was a caption that we missed earlier when somebody says we should call the Avengers or the Justice League. Yes, you're right. We did miss that one. Uh, the X Men and the New Teen Titans are apparently over on Bel over at Belvedere Castle, uh, still talking about how they can't believe they beat. Everybody's posing. Oh yeah. Every sentient being is an amalgam of positive and negative, Raven. 
why Deathstroke and Wolverine are amalgams of each other. Do you think that's why they called the the DC crossover of the 90s the Amalgam Comics? Sure. Probably. <laughs> Do you remember those? Those were cool. I ha- have not read them, but I, I, I'm aware that they exist. Dark Claw? Nope. Was Wolverine and Batman? Nope. Wolverine's got his knees up on the thing. He's, like, relaxing in a very uncharacteristic Wolverine pose. Dark Phoenix was a power absolute evil incarnate, yet she was hollow, her power and evil, all she had. Perhaps by merging with Scott, she realized that what she could have never uh, equal what she had once been, and that destroyed her. Can the philosophy, elf. Let's scrunch some brew. You're buying. (laughs) You owe me a couple cases. And Storm is like, um, are you thinking about Jean? I'm having dreams and nightmares. I wish there'd been another way. So do I. It's a good thing this doesn't count. Scott, one thing puzzles me. If Phoenix was Darkseid's creation, if she had no conscious existence prior to that awful moment at the wall, then who? What appeared to us and to the Greys to warn us? We'll never know. But the reader will. Because in the epilogue, we find out that Metron did it. Well, he never says that. Yeah, no. (laughs) But yeah, Metron, the Mobius chair returns to somewhere. The professor was sitting on it. He's like, hey! (laughs) Whoa, whoa, whoa. I I think they're at the wall. Because that's where um, um, Amalgam... Thanos was taken, Darkseid was taken, and the very last panel of the issue is a stone carving of Darkseid. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. uh, Metron is at the wall. Yeah. So the Mobius uh, chair returns to the wall. The wheel turns, the wall is sealed, the balance restored, all that is, uh, all is as it was, with one exception. All things are thus as they should be. My thanks, old friend, for revealing the answer to yet another mystery of the source. What? <laughs> Farewell. <laughs> so, yeah. It ends kind of as confusingly as it started. And then uh, to mirror the opening Marvel Comics is power. We get DC is on the move. Yep. A good old ad for some, some DC stuff. Camelot 3000. Aryan, Lord of Atlantis. Soup the New Daring Adventures. The, wait, the Daring New Adventures of Supergirl. Blackhawk. Soup the New? <laughs> Soup the New. The new DC Comics. We're on the move in 82. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. 82, foo. So there you go, everybody. That was um, Dark Side, Dark Phoenix, Apocalypse Now, DC Marvel crossover. What? What? So, like, I think... I don't know. I'm going to say that this happened in continuity and everybody just forgot. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, there's a number of ways that you could look at it. You could look at it that when the Titans and the X-Men restored uh, Darkseid to the wall or the Mobius chair to the wall, like realities diverged. So the beginning of the comic is realities converging. And then when they fixed it, they diverged. So I'm going to say that the Titans, that this happened, all of this happened. But as the X-Men and the Titans walked away from Belvedere Castle and went back to their respective bases, reality separated, and thusly their minds were were kind of erased. Not erased, but just like the events to them never happened. He agreed. <laughs> eh, good enough. 
surprised they didn't write it that way. To be like, this happened, but it's also cleverly written so that it didn't really happen. At least the X-Men don't know what happened. Or the Titans. Well, for all we know, the Titans do know that it happened. That's that's a good point. Maybe they're still talking about it to this day. Remember that time we hung out with the X-Men? That was cool. You know, we call them, but they just never return our phone calls. Huh. Weird. All right, then. So, uh, this is the point of the podcast where we would read our fan mail, but we're we're running long again. So, if you would like to get a hold of us for our next fantastically fun returning to the Uncanny X-Men podcast, you can reach us at DangerRoom at RedCapProductions.com. Visit us at Facebook.com forward slash DangerRoomPodcast. Follow us at Danger Room Go, or you can go to our website, www.xmenpodcast.com, where all of the podcasts and plenty of other material are located. Go on to iTunes, search for Danger Room in the podcast section, leave us a review, maybe some stars, five of them if you would be so nice. And you can subscribe to us on Stitcher, too, if you would like. Or you can leave us a voicemail at 501-GET-X-MEN. And don't forget, Adam, that... Oh, I haven't forgotten. There's a competition. Not a competition, but prizes. Our podcast is giving away a copy of X-Men number 153 in marginally acceptable condition. Uh, Polybag and backing board are included. And the way to get in on that action is to send us a... Uh, you got to basically like us or send us an email or send us a voicemail. And you also have to communicate uh, danger room at redcapproductions.com and say, Hey, I'm Jimmy Jim job, Bob, and I left you a five-star review and I'll take all of the names of the people that let me know what kind of feedback you gave us. Uh, I'll put it into a spreadsheet and I'll roll a die or I'll do something random and whatever is drawn, will get that comic book. And if that's not clear as mud, just, you know, figure it out. Yeah. The important thing is send us an email to let us know what you did. Yep. And those of you who have already are like, I've already done all those things because I'm your biggest fan. Well, you can get double entry points if you call us at 501 get X men and say something marginally interesting. <laughs> Does it have to be marginally interesting? Well, it can't be like, hey, guys. Well, I guess it could be that, too. It could be like, hey, I'm Jim. Click. Gotta go. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, would, that would be okay. I would, I would be okay. Like, if we had a whole montage of that, I think that would be actually pretty awesome. So there you go. It could literally be as easy as, hi, my name is Bill. Click. Even if your name's not Bill. Tell us why you want X-Men 153. But you don't have to do that. It's just a suggestion. Nah, yeah. So there you go. Uh, and I got nothing else. You got anything else, Adam? Uh pizza logs. Well, there you go. Until next time, the danger room is closed.